everybody. Diane Canada here. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with me today. So I have a question for you. Two questions. What does it mean to actually stand up for American values in today's politically charged environment in our climate today? And my second question to you is, is your why big enough? So let's explore it today. I'll be right back. Now's the time to Hey guys, so wouldn't it be so nice if we could just sit this political storm out? If we could just wait for everything to blow over, wouldn't that be nice? Well, it's not going to. And we're going to have to do some things that are going to cost us some things. And so that's why we have to ask ourselves, is our why big enough? Is it worth it? And what are we going to be, what is it going to be costing us? What are we going to be looking at? You know, I don't think there's any magic wand that's going to be waved, certainly not out of Washington, that's going to fix this mess. Um, I think it's going to continue to to snowball. So we, I, I really think that it's going to come down to us and come down to the states to kind of turn our country back around. It is a massive cultural war that we're in right now more than anything. And this has been planned. It's been in motion since the 60s, early 70s, two generations ago. And so this is not, it's like a big train, right? Going down the track and it's not going to turn on a dime. It's going to take us a minute to turn this. But if our why is big enough, then we'll get, we'll get on the field. We'll do it. I'm wearing uh, today my, uh, my brother's shirt and I'm going to explain to you my why here uh, in just a sec. But, you know, it's just really important for us to get in touch with this with, with our personal, our own personal why, and really own that in today's political climate. I never thought in a million years, not in a million years, that I would ever run for office. Never on my radar, never in a million years. So I lost, a lot of you know this already, but for those of you who don't, I lost my baby brother to PTSD about five years ago. He was a special ops Marine, had served several tours in Afghanistan and came back with just hauntings and night terrors. And it was it was such a, a pitiful and helpless thing to watch um, from from our family's perspective, to watch this um, strong and independent and um, quite incredible young man, my brother, uh, be so tortured and so tormented by the experiences that he had in Afghanistan. And um, I got to tell you that, that when we lost him, our whole world stopped. Like I know a lot of people have experienced this. We lose 22 veterans a day um, to this, to, to them succumbing to PTSD. And I try to be careful how I put this because I have a, a young nephew that, doesn't know the details yet. And so I always try to be mindful. But um, all I can tell you is that a couple of years into that healing process, God started tugging on my heart very, very hard for public service. And 
I I really it was I kind of felt like Gideon right in the Bible. I felt like you must have the wrong person, Lord. <laughs> like I start talking him out of it. Like me, like like no. And I think a lot of women right now feel that way. They're like, what do I know about politics? How what can I do to help? But I got to tell you, you know, when your why is big enough, you'll you'll do it. You'll listen. I'm not suggesting that you go run for office, but I'm just kind of leading to you know how we're going to have to get active in this political climate. So. You may not have to do anything as extreme as I did, run for state office, but uh, but just bear with me here while I share this. I'm I'm going somewhere with it. So when I uh, started feeling sure that this is what God was asking me to do, one thing you can always, a couple things that I can always tell, I can always tell when God's talking to me because a I don't want to do it, I resist. And B, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It kind of comes out of left field. And there's just, yet there's this knowing that I'm supposed to do it. And that's what was going on inside of me. It was like just this tug of war going on in there. And for several months leading up to, you know, when I announced that I was running, I worked with uh, my life coach, Grace, who she and I had worked together off and on whenever I have to make really big decisions or I have um, really big crossroads in my life. I like to work with her because she really helps me to zoom out and see things from a much higher perspective. And so I was working with her for months leading up to this. And I finally got to a place where I felt like, okay, I can do it. I, I think, I think, I think I can do it. Worked my nerve up. Right. Well, then the night before I announced uh, that I was going to run, where I had to go down and get the paperwork and do all, make everything official. I was so sick. I couldn't sleep. I was up and down all night, just tossing and turning, absolutely sick to my stomach. And I got up the next morning, totally chickening out, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do it. And I got on the phone with Grace and she said, Diane, what is going on with you? We have been through this for months. You know, this is what God's calling you to do. Why now at the 11th hour, like what is going on? And I said, I just can't do it, Grace. I said, I just feel like I'm going into the lion's den. And all she said was, she goes, oh, you are. She goes, you are. She said, but how did that work out for Daniel? And the minute she said that, I completely shifted gears. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. When God calls us to rise to an occasion, to step into a moment, he gives us the grace and the ability and the endurance and every tool that we need in order to do it. This is why I say so many times on the show that I don't want to do anything unless God's in the middle of it. Because when he's in the middle of it, there's an, I'm not going to say it's easy, but there is an ease and there is a peace that comes that he provides in our scariest, scariest moments. And so I went into that race. I announced it from that moment on. I was fine. I, not only was I fine, I was good. I found my slipstream with it and I could feel and see God's fingerprints all over it. There was just an anointing on it. There was just a like a sprinkling of spiritual fairy dust on it. And it wasn't hard. I worked harder than I ever have. And, and I learned so much about myself because when you're going to come into talking with people about politics, especially it forces you to do a work inside of yourself. Like, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And then go about 10 layers deep. Like, why do you believe that? Well, why do you believe that? You know, and you have to be able and, and, and really sharp at defending those positions, you know, and, 
in very hostile rooms sometimes. So it's a, it's a world-class education in your cell. Excuse me one sec. <coughs> Sorry, guys. So doing that work now on the other side of the campaign trail, it's like I, I have, I feel like I've kind of um, cleared the path. Like I've kind of been here, done this already. And so helping to take other women into political arenas, I feel like I can, I can tell you that if, if you, if you go in with God, if he's calling you to step into certain arenas or he's calling you to even step up in your community, you don't have, like I said, you don't even have to go run for office, but if he's calling you to step into some kind of a role or some kind of a leadership, leadership position, even within your community, if he is in it, you can't fail. There's only winning or learning. I say that all the time. There's only winning or learning, but failure, you will not fail. I didn't win my race. Um, I, I came in as a first-time candidate in COVID with a, an opponent who out outfunded me ten times. Um, I came in at forty-six percent, almost one. I was like the dark horse, like the the you know. But it's not a matter of whether I won. I, I don't look at it as a failure. I either would win or I would learn. In this case, I learned. I learned so much that I wouldn't take back for anything in the world. I'm so glad that I said yes and went in and did that. And I feel like I honored my brother and I brought some things to the forefront and to the, to light in the public and with legislators now that I can go in and carry through and, and help veterans. So I don't regret doing it, not for a second. And now all of that political experience, I can marry that up with my broadcasting and my leadership training experience and now come and teach other women how to become very, very influential in their communities. So that was my why in a nutshell. Now, I want to show you a picture real quick here of, uh, of my bigger why. Obviously, my, my brother was a, a huge part of that. But this is my bigger why. And this is my nephew. So my brother is in the Georgia National Cemetery here, among all of these other brave, brave men and women who have fought valiantly for our country. But this little guy on the left right here is my, my real why, because he's going to grow up in a world without his daddy. And he's going to grow up wondering if his dad's, if the loss of his dad was worth it, like what he's going to have questions and he's going to want to know things about our country and about his dad that we're going to have to answer at some point. And I don't want to ever look that little boy in the eye and say that all these men and women that that are laying to rest in this cemetery, that their lives and their service was in vain. That's not going to happen on my watch. I want him to grow up in a free society. I want him to be able to grow up and chase his dreams and become all that he wants to be. And I want him to have all the liberty and the space to do that and all of the support to do that. Because that's why these men and women are lying there, because they went and sacrificed everything to ensure it. So that's that's my biggest why right there. And anytime I get a little puny or pitiful or I think, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, I just look at his face and I think, nope, I'm in the game. I'm not quitting. So my question to you is, what is your why? What is your why? What, what are you worried about? Now, if you have children, especially young children, Obviously, that's probably going to be a very strong why for you. 
you know, if you have family members who've served in the military and they've, God forbid, they've ended up in the same fate that my brother did, you know, where they were lost uh, on battlefields somewhere, that may be your why. But America is the best country in the world. And conservative values are rooted in God's principles. And they're worth fighting for. They're absolutely worth fighting for. So what we have to do is, is like I said, I think it's going to come down to the states and come down to uh, everyday conversations. This is how we're going to turn the tide in our country. This is how we're going to win our country back to conservative values. It's going to be by conversations. It's going to be a grassroots effort. And that's going to mean you stepping up like I did. Again, maybe not to run for office, but stepping into some kind of a leadership role here and being willing to take on those hard conversations, to be standing there brave when you're talking with a spoiled brat who doesn't appreciate freedom or standing there when you've got one, you know, all but spitting in your face because they've bought into this indoctrination that's been going on. Or it's you standing there when everything inside of you just wants to strangle them. You standing there and holding your peace and and trying to have compassion and win them. That's what the ask is, guys. That's what we have to do. I've said before, the minute we lose our self-control, we've lost all credibility. So it's standing there, stable, strong, knowing the truth is on our side, knowing that they know not what they do. They really don't. All of these young people who have been indoctrinated, they have no idea what they're ushering in. No idea. And so there's a, there's a serious ignorance there. And even people, even if it's not young people, people of all generations, they have no idea what they're, what they're saying or doing. They think they do. Ronald Reagan put it best. They know so much about all, so much that isn't so. And that's the truth. So we who know the truth, we who stand on that truth, have to be, have to be willing to have brave, courageous conversations and to turn them. So this is why the why has to be so rooted. We have to be so grounded and so rooted in our why so that when we're tempted to lose our temper, we're tempted to just walk away from the conversation, we're, whatever our temptation is to, to abandon the, the mission, that why will keep you rooted in it. That why will keep you fighting. I have a book I want to talk. I want to um, show you guys. This book is called Start With Why. And it changed my life about probably about 20 years ago now. I, I read it by Simon Sinek. And uh, I, I got it for business reasons, but I think it really applies no matter what you're doing in life. So I would recommend that you guys pick this book up. Um, but this is talking about how people, I'll just kind of break down some, some things I thought about today before I came on the air. People really don't care about your why. They care about their own. You need to understand your why, because that's what's going to keep you from succumbing to temptation to just walk away and all that, like I just said. But we have to really start to understand how to help other people get their why. And there's incredible power in that. So when you're talking with a lot of these people out in the world that, that have opposing views, it's really important that we understand where they're coming from. We understand what makes them tick. And this is why I spend so much time on it, because you've got to not that the person is the enemy. Satan is our real enemy here. He's got them deceived. He's sprinkled just enough truth in there to really be able to deceive them. All right. But we have to know the enemy and we have to know his tactics. And then we can 
kind of bubble up to the surface when we're talking to people, what they really want, what the real why is for them, and then show them we have, we have to have some common ground, establish some common ground, and then we'll be able to show them and win them to these conservative values, but not till then. Because if you walk up and you just start talking to them, you just start espousing your, your beliefs on them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to walk away or they're going to get angry or whatever. You're not going to get anywhere like that. Okay. But if you understand your why, and then you make an effort to understand theirs and find that common ground, find that place of connection, only then are you going to have a chance to share with them, get permission from them to share what you believe. So I'll, I'll break this down in another way for you. Y'all know that I'm a speaker. As a speaker, it's really natural for me to go and learn from other speakers. I study them. I try to, you know, pick up uh, little tips and tricks, things that I see that they do well. Um, but it's also very tempting when you're watching someone else do what you do to, you know, critique. And one of the things that I see that's really just cringeworthy at this point is when a speaker gets up to, to you know, uh, start their their keynote and they say something like this. Well, before I get into the topic, I want to just tell you a little bit about me. Ugh. It's like, it's like that's speaker 101. You don't do that, right? Nobody cares about what, about your position. Okay. Or what you've done or any of that. However, those speakers who start with a personal story and who give you some insight into their soul, they then have captivated you, right? And they've piqued your interest and they've, and, and you have earned permission now. Um, they've, the speaker has earned permission to tell us a little bit about themselves. But prior to that intrigue, if we're being honest, we really don't care. We really don't care what they've done. And I think some people do, like some people like that whole like list of credentials, like what gives you the expertise to tell me, you know, so I think some people like to know that maybe if you're being introduced up on stage or something, someone's reading your bio. So people already have at least an idea of who you are and what you've done. But if you just get up there and you start talking about you, you're going to, people are going to tune out. So this applies right now in our political climate. We just walk up and we start telling somebody what we believe, why we believe it. They don't care. They care about what they believe. Okay. So when you're trying to influence people, especially those with opposing views, you've first got to find the common ground. You've got to hook them, right? Find some, some place of connection at a deeper level, you know, and then, and then, and only then, and it may take you a couple of times in their presence. Like you don't want to just start doing this. If this is somebody that you see all the time, you, you probably just want to try to establish that connection the first time or two that you see them before you start trying to turn the tide politically. You know, this is a this is a, a very fragile and sensitive process. So in songwriting, you all know that I did a lot of songwriting in my um, younger years and I still have a professional song songwriting contract now. Um, but I used to endure some pretty heavy critique um, from producers. Like if when I was writing songs, especially in the early days, you know, they would send me up here to Music Row. And um, I would sit with these producers and this was still back when cassettes and CDs <laughs> were, a, were a thing, right? And I can remember the producers, you know, um, I would be sitting across the desk and they would pop the CD in and they would listen to the first few bars of it. And if it didn't hook them, they would just stop it. They would take it out. They would turn back around and hand it back to me across the desk and they'd say, keep working at it. 
come see me when you got something that, that's real. And it would just hurt my feelings so bad, I can remember. But they were absolutely right. And that's what pushes us to get better. Our messaging and people's attention spans, those have to align. Like you've got to have your, your why down and your messaging down and understand that you've got about five seconds, <laughs> maybe 10 to hook them. And if you can't hook them in that short amount of time, you're going to lose, you're going to lose them. We're going to lose the chance to really be influential. All right. He was talking about like the reason why they would do that back in the production days is because they were remembering when people, when we were all listening to radio and they know people are on their scan button, right? And they're scanning for a good station. They're scanning for a good song. And so if you don't hook them right away, I think they said it took like 2.3 seconds, something like that. If you didn't have them right away, they're going to scan onto the next station. So this is why it was so, so, so important to get that hook. You know, the melody has to be right. The lyrics have to be right. The whole vibe of the song has to be right. It all has to align. It has to hook them. So I, I just take a lot of these lessons from my political race and from my, you know, entertainment background and all of this to say that this is not a game. This is serious. Our children's futures are on the line and we've got to get really, really good at this game. We've got to put on, we got to bring our A game. We just do. I know we have digital avenues now to be heard, uh, but I, and, and obviously when you're on social media, things like that, you have opportunities. But I'm also talking about real in-person discussions, real in-person conversations. This is where they really matter too. So y'all pick up this book, Start With Why. So, so, so good. Um, and I want to say that, you know, it's not as simple as just coming up with a story to tell. Like you don't want to try to, um, finagle this, right? Your story, you might choose a different story to share with each person you encounter. Like, so if you're talking with a minority for some reason, like, like if you're, maybe you're talking with an Asian American or you're talking with a black American or wh whatever, try to, again, try to find out a little bit about them, what, what their life is like, what their challenges are right now. Show some interest in them as a person, not just a vote at the ballot box. They're a person. Find out what they care about. And then you can choose a story from your from your life to try to find that place of connection. So this is not something that um, can be uh, handled. You know what I mean? It's not something that can be manufactured. It has to be authentic. Really, really has to be authentic. People are on to it. They can tell, you know, your body language will give you away if you're not being authentic. If you're just trying, you ever talk with people and you know that, they're waiting for you to, to shut up just so they can say what they want to say next. I mean, we can feel that. We know when people are doing that. So they're going to pick up on it when you're doing it. So you've got to really care. This is why I stress compassion so much. You've got to really, really care about them as a human being. And the only way you can really do that is understanding their value, which is rooted the same place yours is, which is in God. God knit them together in their mother's womb, just like he did you. They have incredible value to God, just like you do. And so when we meet them on that equal playing field and we know that, you know, that they're not lesser than us or they're not different than us, that we are all God's children. When we can approach it from that place, then that will give you the right heart. That will give you the compassion. That will give you the patience to put up with their bad behavior. It'll give you the opportunity to get to know them. And then you can find the common ground. And only then can we win them to conservative values. It's a, there's a process to this. Okay. Um, yeah. People's hearts are just really hard. 
these days, and it takes a lot to penetrate them more now than ever. So, but they are craving. I will tell you that that one of the things I see, especially in our younger generation, is they are craving authenticity so much. They see so much hypocrisy in the world and they're craving that authenticity. So get in touch with your why. Get this book so that'll help you drill it down. Make sure you're coming from that place of compassion. Find that common ground with someone. Earn permission then to share your views and understand when you are tempted to abandon the conversation or abandon the mission. Just bring your own why back up to your mind and that'll keep you that'll keep you in the game. That'll keep you willing to stay on the field. I'll show you just a couple more pictures here as we wrap up of a couple of other whys. Um, I have an adult son, many of you know, and um, he his name's Rob, and he is about to get married um, within the next year. And uh, I hope that soon I'll have grandchildren on the way. And so when that happens, I want to make sure that my grandchildren are growing up in a free America. And um, I'll just show you one more picture here, too. I have some dear, dear friends of mine that have had babies recently. Um, this is little Lulu <laughs> over here that I'm holding. And I adore this child, just adore her. And um, over here on the right are some longtime family friends of ours. Uh, they just brought a new little girl into the world, but these were their maternity pictures just before that. And uh, this is little Jonah. And so, you know, you bring pictures up like this. And you bring and you and you just burn these images into your mind, right? Then it helps to just pull them up, pull those files up when you're in these conversations and it keeps you glued to your mission. All right. And I'm wearing, like I said, my brother's shirt today um, because it and oftentimes I will wear it because it it helps me remember my why. All right. So I hope that's helped you today. I'm gonna pray over you before we go. And um I'm going to just ask God to help you find yours. All right, because it's no joke. We're, we're in very, very troubled times and it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you being uncomfortable. It's going to cost you making sacrifices. It's going to cost you, you know, having to be brave. Um, but again, like I said earlier, when God's in it, it may not be easy, but there will be an ease to it. He will give you the grace and the ability to do it with ease and with peace in your heart. All right, so let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to to really get in touch with the things things and the people that we care about most, Lord, to be reminded that your why on that cross was us. And Lord, the sacrifices and the uncomfortableness and the courage that you displayed are a, are a model, are a beacon, a model for us, Lord. We we are sorry, Father, that that we sit back and, and live these lazy and empathetic, or I'm sorry, and, um, and apathetic uh, lifestyles, Lord. We're sorry that we get selfish and that we just care about our comfort. Lord, we are victims of comfort. We're living in the best of times, and we have so many conveniences, modern conveniences and comforts all around us. And Lord, we're sorry for getting addicted to those. 
when you call us to do hard things, Lord, and to sacrifice and to be uncomfortable and to be courageous. Lord, I, I pray that every woman under the sound of my voice would run to that scrimmage line, Lord, that she would say yes. She would look into the faces, into the eyes of her children or her grandchildren or her nieces or nephews like mine, and that she would say, absolutely, where do I sign? And be willing to walk away from the comfort of apathy. Father, I pray that they would have wisdom and that you would help to help them to really uh, find that common ground with the people they encounter, that you would give them the wisdom, Lord, to, to know what to say at the right moment, and that, Lord, you would be able to guide their spirit and guide them in conversations so that they would be effective in them, Lord. That every conversation they have, I pray, and that it would be blessed. I declare it, Lord, that they will win hearts and minds back to conservative values which are rooted in you. I pray, Lord, and I thank you already that you are working in these women, working in all of us. And that, Lord, you will turn our nation back to you and you will heal our land, Lord. I declare it. I pray it. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I hope this is, like I said, been helpful for you today. And um, I will look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow, three o'clock sharp. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.